from Tigerland. In any weather you will see us with a grin, risking head and skin. If we're behind, then never mind, we'll fight and fight and win, for we're from Tigerland. We never, we can... G'day everybody and welcome to the 15th edition 15! of... 15! 15. Welcome to Hutto of Tiger Tragics. My name is Mitchell Scott. We welcome back Tony Shebeki after a week off. How are you, Shebex? Oh, I'm okay, Mitch. I probably need to be here just to relax a little bit. It's been a very busy week and a bit. Well, it's only going to get Two busy. trips up to Ipswich for the motor racing and the week at uh, Mount Hotham with 40 Year 11 students oh, on the wow. ski camp. How was that? Was it cold? I'm knackered. <laughs> that was fr- we got we started to get the start of the snow on mm-hmm. Thursday and it was beautiful. I've never been to Mount Hotham before. It's not a bad place. I've oh. been to Buller. I've been to Falls Creek. First time at Hotham. Very nice. I've never been. I've only been to Buller. Hello to Carl Bianco. Hello, gentlemen. Great to be here after another Tiger win. Well, I was going to say, dare I say, the most relaxing part of the week may have been putting the feet up yesterday at three twenty and watching That's Richmond. Just- uh, just do what it does now, and uh, that was beat Hawthorne, uh, our 13th win of the season, and we are playing finals. Now, that, we, 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 it's, are. we are ninety nine percent. We are more than a 99% chance. Uh, we're three wins clear of, uh, of eighth, uh, mathematically, with a bit, far better percentage. So, it's uh, barring some sort of absolute catastrophe, yep. we, are, uh-huh. we are featuring in September, gentlemen. So, uh, I want to say well done to us, but it's not really, we're not the 22 out there on the field each week. We're just sitting in the stands supporting. But um, compared to where we thought we were going to be 12 months ago, you know, this time 12 months ago, the focus on footy group was preparing to come in and, you know, shake the board up and get rid of Damien Hardwick. And we're going to get rid of Brennan Gunn and do a sweep through the place and suddenly here we are sitting third on the ladder. Can you remind me to call Flight Centre afterwards? I'll just have to cancel my September holidays that I had booked well, at I'm the end get, of last year. Have you got any more tra- trips to Hotham booked? You might need to postpone them as well. I'm not a, I'm not a Melbourne supporter, Mitchell, so <laughs> just one per year does me fine. Uh, no, I've got, I'll tell you what I do have though, and we've got a real weird situation in our family, is that we've got friends who are getting married up at Port Douglas the day before the grand final. Oh, you told us about yeah. this. So, so, you, so you're you're potentially coming. You're, well, I am you, back. I'm coming, yeah. I've booked my flight back for Friday night because obviously I've got to work at the grand final on Saturday. But so for me, it's fine. For my younger son Mitchell, who would love to go and see Richmond in the grand final, should we got there? He's not booked to come back until Sunday. So mm. I make the. I need to make a decision <laughs> sooner rather than later. Do I just bring him back with me, and should? Richmond make the grand final, then, then hopefully you, I can get him a ticket and we yeah. can get him in. But should they not, well, he just comes back with me anyway and we just find something to look I, after the grand final. Day. I, I think I would leave it until, look, because this is, I think probably it comes to the first question of is the lid off yet? And I'm no. sort of, it's, it's just sort of, it's wobbling a bit. I don't think it's off. Oh, I don't want see, it. I, I, don't, disagree. I disagree. You reckon the lid's off? Well, have you seen Damien, comments, Damien Hardwick's comments in the Herald Sunday? And, uh, well, it doesn't exactly say the lid's off. Uh, he said, Hardwick said it was not, not going to be easy to shield his players from the build-up. I think we just embrace it. We're enjoying the challenge at the moment and enjoying the struggle of the AFL season. I think we just embrace it. I think they are perfect words. Let the players, don't, don't try and say, all right, guys, I don't want you to worry about finals. I don't want you to, let's take it a week at a time. Let's just go, all right, we're in the finals now. We know we can't miss. We could possibly be top four. We win one of our next three games. We'll definitely be top four. That's a mathematical uh, Seven, yeah, champion data say we're, we're more than 99% chance of top eight and we're, we're 76% chance well, we're of top two games, four. We're two games clear of five. So if we win one more game, we really we honestly yeah, we, cannot we, lose yeah, it's gonna take, a top four spot. And based on what we saw from Port Adelaide, obviously, on the weekend, that they are Correct. very vulnerable in that fifth position. Now, so. having said that, we're only a serious win away from second place. And I would rather have our run into the last three games than GWS's. They've got Western Bulldogs at Eddie Head Stadium this week, GWS. Now, they don't normally play well at Eddie Head Stadium. Western Bulldogs have come alive a little bit, so there's a chance there that that could go down uh, for GWS. They've got Geelong at Simmons Stadium in and the, the final game. And I would imagine they have a stronger, they'll be facing a, Geelong, a stronger Geelong side than what we're going to be facing this well, weekend. And, and we'll talk and about po- that a bit later. Possibly even a Joel Selwood back in. Well, yeah, exactly right. And then they're already probably... And you wouldn't even call it a certainty because they're playing pretty well at the moment also, is West Coast at Spotless Stadium. So GWS have a tough three games going in. Richmond beat Geelong this week. All of a sudden, we've got that break on the Cats. We win one of our last two games. There's every possibility we could finish second. And I've been saying this for weeks, and people have been laughing at me. 
They've been and, laughing at all of us, haven't they? And, and, I, and, and my, my calculation came down to this game this week would be the determining factor. But Sydney Swans did Melbourne uh, did Richmond a massive, massive favour by beating Geelong last week. And Melbourne could have done us an even bigger favour had they have actually played like they we expect they could play. And they could have put us we could have been top two by now. Exactly. The funny thing is you talk about the, the mathematics of the whole thing. Hawthorne actually did us a favour the week before by Correct. taking a game off Sydney as well, Correct. which meant that Sydney then, it's like everyone's sort of latching on and dragging the other one back down, and we just keep sort of pushing ahead. So, um, so the next question needs to be asked. Yeah. Uh, and this is a serious question. When in the hell are people other than Richmond supporters actually going to take Richmond seriously? Well, today the, is uh, the day. Well, I don't know if it is. Well, Gary Lyons says today they can win the flag. Well, I look at the I look at the bookmakers, and they've still got Richmond as the fifth line of betting at night as a nine dollar chance. Now, to me, that means people still aren't taking Richmond seriously as a premiership contender. Alistair Clarkson said any one of the top ten teams could win the flag this year. It just depends who gets it right in the, the last right four time. weeks of the season. Well, the amazing thing is we've been the most consistent team of anyone all season, and oh, I still do you think I, so. We, I think we, Adelaide probably have. Well, no, well, they've, they, they, we've had two bad games. They've had probably four or five. Like even in the games that we've lost, we've been right in the games. They've had a few blowouts here and there. Um, we've had like when you put it on. When you look at Richmond across the whole board of the the, the nineteen games we've played, there have been what you would deem two bad games. Even the, yeah. they've been. Two, they've been. Don't get me wrong. There's been some Three bad losses. On GWS. Yeah, they're the, they're the, well, no, well the, well, the Adelaide loss and the St Kilda loss. They're the bad games. The, those Fremantle, the Fremantle and GWS games, they were good games in the sense that we were actually in the contest right up until the finals are. But they were bad losses because they we were bad. Yeah, yeah, and, that, yeah. and that, yeah, and that and that's the amazing thing is, we like we we were a David Mundy, a spoil on David Mundy, and a Shy Shy Bolton review away from being top of the ladder yeah. right now. Yeah. And then I'd be asking that very same question, going, if people still aren't taking us seriously now, then where are we? Can we turf the review system? No, no. Like I mean, oh, because we. Well, the, 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 I'm not saying that because of the, dis, the decisions that have gone against us. It goes against. There's plenty of decisions across the board. You know, if we go back ten years, we didn't. Well, even less than ten years, we didn't have this review system. So yeah, it costs. It, it cost. You know, it cost teams grand finals so much. It just takes too much time. Well, they, well, that's well, that's not the, that's the fault it of, will. of yeah. They need it will cost someone a grand final. Yeah, well, it cost. It cost it cost St Kilda a grand final ball just about in two thousand nine. Tom Hawkins hit the post. There was yeah. no review system. They ended up they they went well. It was a two goal difference in the end because Max Rook because the game was over. But you take that goal off Tom Hawkins and suddenly the you know the context of the game is different. Uh, there was a, there was one in two thousand eleven that I reckon swung a bit of a different way as well. So. I think it's an it's a necessity. It's an evil one. I think they need to invest more into it, though, because I mean, we saw a couple of cases yesterday. There was two two involving involving Dustin Martin, and that will bring us into the game for yesterday, which we will talk about in just a tick. Was there was a Dustin Martin one where it, he snapped it and it's bounced, and it's I think it clipped might have been Sean Makers' fingers, and it was clear as day that it was touched, and they spent three minutes reviewing it. And then there was the other one with Anthony Miles, who needs to have a hearing test because he clearly didn't hear who was running in beside him as he's going one metre out to run it in. Uh, and the ball spilt out, and uh, Dusty then sort of thought he got his foot to it. Again, they spent another three minutes checking it. Like, no, it was, clearly it was touched. Just just call it behind and move on. I I agree in, in that the system could operate better, but I think we need it. It's, yeah. it's we we yeah. can't we can't we can't fault the system just because it's we haven't it hasn't gone our way unfortunately. Well, the thing that annoyed me most yesterday was the Dusty Martin the first call where it was clearly touched though. Yeah, I, I know, but the initial call from the goal umpire was I think it's a goal. Then all of a sudden, oh no, I think it's a behind. Like make your decision, front up to that decision, say yep, yeah, it was a behind, and then have the review system review it and make it conclusive that it was a behind. Don't say oh, I think it's a goal. No, actually, I think it's a behind. Like overturn your initial thoughts. Like yeah. Uh, well, there, there needs to be. Uh, I, it's like how we argue about umpires and consistency yep. with deliberate out of bounds rule. No matter what you say, you know. It's, I reckon. I reckon. Look, I'll be. I don't reckon this is the week for whinging because we've just got no, top three. No. So let's let's talk about yesterday's game. And Richmond did win its thirteenth, and we went up from uh from you know got up from fourth to third on the ladder. Overtook Geelong due to that fantastic result that went our way. Uh, Richmond winning a 93 in the end to Hawthorne nine ten sixty four. Um, you got the sense in probably the first fifteen minutes of the game that Richmond was going to do its thing, and Hawthorne weren't going to really fire a shot. I I think going into the game. Uh, I was really worried because there was no Jack Rewalt. 
um, for a second week in a row. And I thought you can get away with it against Gold Coast. But Hawthorne had just put, you know, they, their, their last six weeks of form had been really good. They had put Sydney to the sword the week before. They were, you know, they, they had everything on the pl- to play for. They had Jared Ruffhead's 250th. The rain was gone. And I just thought, you know, they didn't have Luke Hodge out there who proved to be, I think, and, you know, a massive and that loss is, in the end. Yeah. that is the difference. Luke yeah. Hodge out of that team and that Hawthorne back line looks as unsettled as any back line you've ever, ever seen unsettled. They... And and I wasn't worried when Jack missed another game because I knew that Hodge was out as well, and I just thought that is really going to help us. A massive help for us having, not having Hodge in that back line. You're right. I underestimated it because he is literally a coach out on Without the field for them, and he's particularly you know they they have thrown they threw Sicily and Gunston back and these guys and um and you know they're still trying to work out how to play defensively and we're having Hodge out there just gives them the the you know the instruction and and the the direction of where they need to go you need your generals out there in the in in the battle and yeah. and Hodge wasn't there and let me say should Alex France be injured in the next two or three weeks heading into finals I would not like our chances no. going into finals regardless of how well our back line's playing you need your, your leaders out there directing traffic and Alex France obviously does that so well and that's kind of like that and I, I suppose that comes back to with Jack being out was that the you know we do have with our leadership group you've got Rance is a vice captain Rewalt's a vice captain and Koch is the captain and that way there's sort of a captain in each sector yep. of the ground. What yesterday did do for us though is what it meant we we were so unpredictable going forward. We just swept forward and Hawthorne did not know where to look because they didn't have Hodge out there directing them where to go. They set up their Clarko's cluster which is all about guarding space and not playing on the man. But they just didn't know where to plonk themselves because we had all these little blokes swarming everywhere and everyone streaming forward and it meant that, you know, where are we going to Edwards? Where are we going to Castagna? Where are we going to, you know, Corey Ellis bobs up and kicks a couple of goals yeah. from, from free kicks and marks and, you know, Dan, Dan Rioli's taking contested marks 25 metres out because they just didn't know where to look. We have, we have so much um, we had a lot of lateral movement as well coming inside forward 50. Um, you know, Josh Caddy bobs up and kicks four goals for the first time ever in his career. His best game in yellow and black by a mile. Had, uh, he had tw- 28 disposals, I think it was, four goals, 17 score involvements. And he might have the world record for a, for a, a se- one season of running in and kicking goals from the goal square. No one seems to do more than Josh Caddy. He streams forward as soon as there's an open goal square and a cherry pick goal to be had. He loves it, but... Um, it just you know you talk about people standing up in the absence of of Jack Rewald and that he was sublime and uh, you know I think we sort of by, by quarter time it was five goal four four five goals the difference and I we didn't really have to breathe a sweat. Carl, did what did you take out of the game? I thought it was a good game. I certainly think that we should have really ran over the top of Hawthorne a lot more, increased the margin a bit. There's a few uh, goals that were gifted to Hawthorne in, in you know in the first quarter and the last quarter as well. Do you think it's still a case of Hawthorne or the untouchables at times with the umpires? Like, again, I don't mean to bring umpires into it, but I do at the same time. You do all the time, Carl. Uh, <laughs> it, it just appeared to me, you know, there was some debatable decisions by the umpires yesterday, and uh, there was a couple of goals that were gifted to Hawthorne. Now, I know, obviously, Hawthorne, they, to their credit, they did get a couple of goals, and whilst we could have beaten Hawthorne by about 40 points, they got it back to, I think it was 29 in the end, so credit to them. And, and look... They they have had a, a better second half of the season. We we discussed this last week, Mitch. We said that they'd certainly they're not the same Hawthorne team that uh, we saw at the start of the year that was getting flogged and it couldn't gel together. Well, they'd beat yeah they they'd beaten they'd beaten Sydney. They'd lost to Hawthorne by less than a kick. Uh, that you know they they'd beaten Adelaide in Adelaide, and they they drew with GWS. So they 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 were the form teams of the comp aside from us, and that's that was their run of form. So they hadn't lost since the bye. So I, that's why I thought you know this this is a dangerous game for us because if that you know they had they were playing for a final spot and they came up dramatically short in the end. And um, you know I think you, you you mentioned how we just we didn't put them away that second quarter. We I think we kicked one goal four and they kicked the goal and it was just kind of a stalemate. We had the, so much of the ball up in our forward end for so much. Um, it was a dogged effort yeah. by our guys, they, keeping the ball in that forward half. And that was probably one of the best things that they did yesterday was that defensive 
for that four defensive pressure that they put was amazing. And that's mm. I think that's what you sometimes you are going to get as a result of that style of game is it, it will get messy sometimes up in your forward half because the ball is just bouncing around so much and you're pre, you're applying that pressure. It isn't going to be clean. Um, and particularly when you haven't got, you know, Rewald in there who's just going to be a hit up target all the time. It's not the ball's not going to come in as cleanly. But from what I saw of yesterday's game, yep. it reminded me of what we've been speaking about a fair bit in the, especially in the last four or five weeks. Don't try and be the Harlem Globetrotters. Mm. Just get in there and do the hard work. And that's exactly what Richmond did for the whole of yesterday's game. That Brandon Ellis, uh, when he went in, got a hard ball get in the, in the third quarter. Uh, lots, of, lots of that sort of stuff happening and just tough, hard play. And that's what Richmond are good at doing. Getting in, getting the ball, getting it forward. Don't try and be fancy. Just do the hard work and it'll pay off. It's a, it's, you know, they, they keep bringing up that we're, it's a bit like watching the Bulldogs last year. It's very workmanlike. It's very pressurised. It's very, it's not, yeah, it's not glamorous. It's, 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 it's blue collar, not white collar. Um, and I take a lot of pride in that. I think because yeah. I'd, I'd much rather be, I'd much rather be a hard, be known for hard work and effort and, you know, sort of team camaraderie. Than, than have 18, you know, 18 magnificent players who are just, you know, glamorous out there doing, you know, stylish things. Don't so want, you're right. I, I, totally I, agree. I don't want to call them the GWS Giants when you mention that sort of thing, but that's kind of what, what well, brings to right. mind. You're right. Um, but I, what is the old saying? A champion team will always be a team of champions. And that's what we're starting to find. And, uh, you know, I think one of the, the, the biggest positive I took out of yesterday were that the two guys, Prestia and Caddy are finally playing to the standard of why we brought them in. Um, you know, Prestia, we, we, we keep forgetting that we burned a pick six, a first round, a high first round draft pick on, on Dion Prestia. And at the start of the season, we're all, you know, burnt was probably the right word. We're sitting, hang on, is he, is he actually doing anything more than what we, we need to? Yesterday. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it back to your start of that comment. We yeah. keep forgetting. I don't think any of us have forgotten when we came <laughs> up for Dion Prestia. Because <laughs> we've been talking about how bad he's been all year. Well, yeah. the last month, I mean, he had the rest last week. He didn't go to the Gold Coast to face his old side. And it did, must have done him a world of wonders because he uh, had his best game. For in the yellow and black, had thirty one, uh, had had thirty one disposals, twenty eight pressure acts. Thank you very much. Kicked a goal, uh, thirteen contested possessions, seven clearances, and I think he had four inside fifties as well with that. So he uh, he he's finally living up to that tag of you know why we brought him in and and why we spent a first round draft pick on him because that's what we wanted him to do and you know you listen we we sort of took it with a grain of salt but Damien Harbick always sort of said that we would he would get better with the, as the year went on because he didn't get to do a preseason properly and you know when we're now we're now around 20 going into we're we're going to have 3 weeks and then the bye for the finals, and then you know he might be just ready to go to another level again. I don't think we ever doubted the impact Caddy and Prestia would have in the side, and uh, since they've moved from uh, their old sides it, to Richmond, they've, they're certainly starting to cement their best form in our, in our best twenty-two. I, I think, and I do think that it was Prestia's best game on the weekend against Hawthorne. He was just at every contest when the ball hit the ground. He was in. He was trying to get it out, and you know, so we can get the clearance inside our forward 50. And obviously, we didn't have Jack there, so we didn't have a tall target, apart from when um, Yvonne Soldo was down there or uh, Nank was down there. I have to give credit to Soldo, I think, yesterday. He, he did a couple of small things. He's sort of starting to come of age a little bit. But that'll happen. The more games he plays, yeah. the better he's going to get. And it was nice. I think I think it was, it could, because it was he, he, he and Nankervis were able to sort of work... Uh, McAvoy over across the course of the game. Ruffy probably didn't spend as much time in the ruck as he may normally have. Um, and so it was a really nice moment, I reckon, when Soldo did get, I mean, it was a shank little pass that ended up hitting him on the chest in the goal square there. And then he went back and I can't say it was a conventional looking drop punt from the no. goal square. <laughs> he sort of hunched over it and he looked like he was almost yeah. going to rugby sort of drop punt, drop, drop kick it off the ground. But it got the job done and it was really nice to see everyone get around him and, uh, and make that a moment for him. You've got to remember, he is taller than Ivan Marich. He, he, yeah, he comes from a, ba- a basketball background. It's a, it's a long ball drop, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think he's the type to really kick the ball all that often. Is he? I mean, if you look at his stats yesterday, what did he have? He had five five disposals of which... Oh, no, he had three kicks, two handballs. Okay. I, look, I'm, I wouldn't... I thought, I thought he'd be more the handballing type. Yeah, as we've said, it's going to take some time for him to develop as a, as a great ruckman and... He's got his cousin Ivan Marriage certainly mentoring him, so I look forward to see what uh, to seeing what he actually does in the years to come, Soldo, because I think he he'll be a great ruckman for us, uh, and and he's he's done the job that we've needed him to do really to to contest every ruck contest. There was a patch in the game where I probably you know even 
I you know I, I I went into the game. I had Twitter I had Twitter stashes with people on Sunday because <laughs> I, t- I as I said in the podcast last week, I tipped Hawthorne. I thought, and as I said before, I thought we were we were vulnerable, um, and that's just the emotional. Uh, pessimistic Richmond supporter within me who 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 as I as I still look at this and as I say before I I think we you know we are third on the ladder we've we've lost one of our last six I think it is now we've had two bad games for the year and I still get this feeling of oh we're going to drop this one we're going to drop this one and there was a, I you know come half time I thought oh, no, I think we'll be right but there was still probably that there was a ten minute patch in the late in the third quarter there where Hawthorne start, started getting control of the play a little bit they kicked a couple of goals but even then. Um, you know, I think they had four. They kicked four for the game for that point, and they were going to need to kick six or seven unanswered in the last quarter to get that, over that line. And I think as soon as we kicked our first goal of the last quarter, I thought, okay, they can uh, they can pile on four or five here, and we're still we're still going to be able to hold on. I think. Um, and I was really pleased with the fact that in that even in that last quarter, when you know the game did open up a bit, and Hawthorne would just you know have it, we they did get a couple of freebies here and there. We were getting just as many freebies back down the other end yeah. as well. They were, we were, we were still running as hard. Our transition running, there was, there was a couple of bit of plays where we, we were flocking forward. It was like the, it was like the V in the Mighty Ducks where there's four or five just streaming. And you know there was one bit of play where Koch in the second quarter, it didn't end up in a goal, I don't think in the end, but Koch did, did a Dusty Martin fend off, turned 180. Gave the handball off to Nane Curvis. Nane Curvis gives a little dish handball off, lays the block, running through, I think it was Butler and Caddy, and and then the, the ball went inside 50. And I looked at that and I went, that is that is Richmond football yeah. these days. And I went, oh, you know, I, I sort of I got a bit tingly. I was a bit excited, Shebex. It was really <laughs> I think that's the sort of thing that I'm 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 now looking at, and that happens on a week-to-week, day-to-day basis. Um and it's just so pleasing to be a Richmond supporter at the moment. And um I, you know, we talk about before about is the lid, the lid, you, you, what you think the lid's off, you think the lid's on, I think it's wobbling. So, at what point do you, do you, like, you talk about the critics and the thing, do we think Richmond will win the flag or can win the flag? It's probably a better oh, question. I have no doubt. And once again, I go back to what Alistair Clarkson said any team in the top 10 at the moment can win the flag. And the, the Tigers can. We spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, is that nobody has literally, apart from probably Adelaide maybe in the last few weeks, has actually said, we are the flag favourites. We are the ones that will take this premiership. Adelaide are the only real team to have done that, and that's only been in the last few weeks. But there's been plenty of times through the year, Adelaide won, GWS another, I think even Port Adelaide there at one stage too, Geelong also, have come good for three or four weeks and look great, and then all of a sudden drop the unexpected. For me, that's not a flag favourite. So... With that in mind, Richmond are as good a chance as anyone. And when you look at the Richmond structure, again, we see a very, very strong defensive unit. Fantastic. We see a not-so-strong forward unit as a traditional forward setup, but what we see is a forward line that is willing to do anything that they can to make sure that that ball stays in their forward half and gives themselves a chance. We see a a midfield that is hell-bent on running up and down the ground. All our midfielders get back in defence. Martin gets back. Cochin gets back. They all get back in defence. Brandon Ellis gets back. They all go up forward as well to help out where they can. Martin's always good for a goal or two. Kicked two Koch's, real crucial yeah. ones in the th- early in the third quarter yesterday, which took the game off the table. Correct. Koch is good for you know maybe a goal a game as well now, which is fantastic that he's brought that into his game style. So there is not one point. And then you look at the interchange bench, and any player that comes off the interchange bench seems to fit well into the, the actual structure. There is no depth, a Martin comes off or a Cochin comes off, and it doesn't matter. You bring someone on who's just as valuable. So at the moment, we don't seem to have any serious holes in our lineup. No. Injuries are going to be the determining factor. The, the last three weeks, if we come through unscathed, and our boys will be sore, and they are, and I've spoken to a couple of blokes at Richmond, and I know our talls right across the club through the VFL and into the AFL team are very, very tired boys. They've had a big, big year because we've had so many injuries, so they've been you know, they've been laboured with so much more work. If we can get through this three-week period and get into that one-week rest where the blokes can just sort of pull back just a fraction and, and just... We can be as good as anyone. I have no doubt about that. 
this couple of weeks off for Jack Rewalt might actually prove to be uh, beneficial for, sure, for him, and for sure. he might come back and not. You know, he's had a couple of weeks rest. Things things that he might I have just been sore about. I just hope he sees that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we, we uh, there was a, there was a caller on KB show on Friday, and you know, Barmy knocked it straight on the head, saying, "No, there's nothing in that." But yeah, you know, there Barmy was. It's Barmy Wood. Everything's two to three weeks. Barmy, but there the and he, the caller said that, "Oh no, Jack won't play again this year." Now I don't know if that's just causing a bit of mischief, but, um, you know, I, I must say, you know, given the amount of dialogue all week with, I oh, know he's playing, he'll be fine, he'll be fine. We checked in with the club on, on Wednesday afternoon because there was a thing going around that uh, Fox Footy were actually reporting that he would defy medical orders and play anyway. And we checked in with him and they said, no, he won't need to defy medical orders because he'll be fine, he'll play. And then, sure enough, come Thursday night, team sheets come out, no, I didn't get the ticket of approval, he's not playing. Now, forgive me for thinking this theory, it's a bit of a conspiracy theory here or... It might have been a tactical thing from Hardwick's point of view to just leave Jack aside for another week just to make sure that he was okay and to test whether or not we could come up against a quality opponent in Hawthorne without at all. Like, not no, yeah. not to discredit uh, Gold, Gold Coast. Coast by any means, but obviously we, we knew heading up to the Gold Coast that they would be an easier opponent to sort of not have a tall forward up against because uh, obviously we only really have Jack as a tall option when he's playing. So I don't know, but a theory of mine is it might have just to, just been to make sure that Jack is 100% so that he can take on and Geelong next week. I think as the other thing, the factor of that as well is that the, the, for, the early forecast for Sunday was that it was meant to be bucketing with rain all day, mm, and, yeah, and which, which, would have, which would have suited that. Uh, even, and as yeah, and it, it come at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, that was the case. But yeah. by 3 o'clock, it was clear and sunny, and I turned on the TV, and uh, I was at Eddie Head Stadium doing the crossover with the other game and flicked the TV on, and I've Where's the sunshine come from? What's yeah. going on? Well, you wouldn't have known if you were at Eddie Head because the roof was yeah, closed. exactly. The roof was shut. Now, that's all we knew. These these comments by Damien Hardwick in his press conference doesn't instill the the confidence that you would like to know about Jack Revolt and where his situation is. And the comments go: if he doesn't, he was pretty close this week. If he doesn't get the tick from the doctors, the tick off from the doctors, then I'm sure he'll go searching for another. So. If he doesn't get the tick from the doctors. Now, that to me doesn't say that he is definitely 100% ready to go for this week. I think he's already ticked off half of Victoria. We're, <laughs> we're pretty confident he'll be right to play. But in nowhere, that he 100, nowhere does he say we are 100% certain Jack will be right this week. No. He talks about if he doesn't get the tick from the doctors and we're pretty confident. To me, when you start saying stuff like that, that's where... Rumours are going to start, well, hang on, maybe Jack isn't right. Yeah. And maybe what people do know maybe come into effect. And So I wouldn't I wouldn't take it as a given that Jack will be right this week no, I, based I, on those comments. Well, in my opinion, I, I thought he looked a little bit frustrated sitting in the, the box when they did show vision of him. Not frustrated in a sense that, you know, he wasn't well, he couldn't, there, He couldn't see what was going on. Well, well maybe that was the case, <laughs> Mitchell. Maybe he was just getting frustrated. Oh, my. Uh, he was just listening to the Channel 7 country and going, uh, what is happening? Well, <laughs> it may have been that too, Shebex. Who knows? But, yeah, look, I would be surprised if Jack isn't back this week. Uh, but at the same time, we want him 100% because we want to make sure he's a key part in our fight. Well, I'm just saying, based on those comments, and, and always, I mean, we've all been told as media people to read between the lines. When you, when you hear yeah. something from someone in the AFL, what does KB say? Lying is the second language of yeah. the AFL. Read between the lines. And to me, if you read between the lines there, there is nothing that says He's Jack is guaranteed again this week. I get the impression that, that that sort of comment is very much handballing all... Uh, to the medical team? Yeah, everything. Yeah. just to say it's out of our hands yeah. whether he plays or not. So don't blame us if he doesn't play. No, fair it's, enough. It's, yeah. on the, it's on the medical team. Knowing... You know, Jack a little bit through through he's you know been through the corridors here a bit of this and he'll be as desperate as anyone to get back out there. The issue is with the injury. Obviously, he had a he, he's had a lacerated cornea and um you know you need you, it needs to heal to a certain point before you can actually go and do full training and that sort of thing. And the issue is if you do run thirteen fourteen k's a game, um your heart obviously your heart rate increases and your and your blood obviously is pumping through your body. If those vessels aren't healed in your eye, start um, bleeding again. they can start bleeding yeah. again. They yeah. can start doing more damage. So that's that's why it's such a risky sort of procedure um, that he's had in the first place, and it's why why they they're making no uh, taking no risks about it. And you know, even last week when they said, "Oh, he'll be bright next week," I said, oh, "I'll believe it when I see it." So Nick Revolt, when you come out and you bag your cousin for not playing because <laughs> you had a sore eye, how are you feeling now? Well, mm. he thought his eye was he, like. Did you hear last Tuesday he was talking about when it actually happened? He thought his eye was actually going to be 
hanging out of his socket yeah. when he when he sort of cupped his. It's pretty bad. I'm doing this right now. <laughs> no, you can't see, but he like sort of <laughs> cupped his hand over his eye and he pulled it away, and there's a pool of blood in there. And he thought that uh, you know maybe he might have had his eyeball hanging did in I there. Did I tell you that happened to my mum's Maltese Shih Tzu? What? A couple. Uh, of, it did. <laughs> Christmas Day. Christmas well, she was training and no, she no, no. Drank. Christmas Day two years <laughs> Maybe ago. Maybe your child got her in the office. Oh. We, had, we had Christmas at our place and mum brought her little Maltese Shih Tzu. Oh, no. <laughs> and which, are, which I didn't know, but are actually quite. it's quite common for their eyes to pop out of the Same socket. with pugs. Yeah, exactly. So we had another dog there for my wife's cousin and the Maltese Shih Tzu was down the backyard. The other dog was up the front, which is a Labrador. So my brother-in-law just gave it a bit of food. Just put it there, and all of a sudden the Maltese Shih Tzu comes running up because it heard the food and smelled. The Labrador just turned around to sort of say, "Nick, off, that's mine." And in the process of doing that, just nicked it on the neck, and enough of that was enough to pop the eye oh, out of the eye socket. Oh. So we found ourselves at the Werribee Vet Hospital Christmas Day oh. with my mum freaking out because his dog had an eye popped out of its socket. Oh. I just looked at it. As soon Merry as I picked Christmas. It up, I looked at it. I've gone. <laughs> You don't look right. It doesn't look right. It's not a good thing. Oh, well, so uh, I can understand how Jack. Well, Jack yeah, I was going to say Jack would be freaking out now hearing that. Um, I, one thing I wanted to bring up, and you touched before. <laughs> I'm trying. To, um, the you mentioned before about the depth of just within the 22 of when you know one player comes off, another one comes on. It's the most impressive list we've had. For that, for and a, Damien, yeah. and Hardwick said that time. last year. He said, "I, oh, he said, the amount of kids we've got coming yeah. through that I've got, I'm going to get excited about. You should see these kids when they're all up and going." Um, Jack Graham was unlucky not to get a gig in the end. He was mm. named in the extended squad on uh, on Thursday, yep. and we were talking his his uh, his up last uh, his chances up. Uh, you know, like medalist last year in the under 18s playing for South, captaining South Australia, and um, you know he's been doing big things in the VFL. Didn't make, didn't end up making the 22, but you look at. Some of the names, you know, I pluck out some of the names here that have uh, that are in the twenty-two that have played the last few weeks, and I, you know, I look at like Nathan Broad. Nathan Broad's keeping Jaden Short out of the team, and Jaden Short, I thought, had been having a pretty good season, yeah. and, and you know, they like they really like his long kicking. But you know, Broad comes in at the time when Hooley um, when Hooley goes out for the suspension, um, and sorry, bad luck. Nathan Broad's having a bit is in better form. You're out, Short. Corey Ellis is at the same. Yep. Yeah. No, I have to agree with you there, Mitch. I think. Broad, something I noticed is he's not afraid to just go at the ball, straight at the ball, and take a hard knock or two. He's it. actually bigger than I thought he yeah. was. Yeah, he looks like a pretty skinny kind of guy, a bit like a Conor Menadju type. Yep. I think he, he might be a bit shorter than Conor Menadju. I don't know. They, they kind of fit the same sort of build, and he's another one that's sort of not in our best 22 at the yeah, moment. He's at, Sam, Sam Lloyd's the other one. Can't, yeah. get, can't get back in. I know you're – and I think uh, – and the reason why I think that is because – you know, we keep bringing up the, the the two key words for those for those that forward line is speed and pressure. And Sam mm. Lloyd, unfortunately, I don't think offers much in either of those. He can he can take a mark and play tall, um, but that's we've 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 gone away from that for the moment. So um, that's why I think we find him out of the side. But but I take that as a compliment for the squad as a whole. In that, yeah. if you're not if you're not doing your job. You're out, um, and you know even you know you look at the stat sheet and people go oh you know cause, you know the Butler and Castagna do it. They certainly do. They they do the pressure acts. They 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 do hit the scoreboard. They they. I'd love to get the champion data stats on how much they're involved in scoring acts like in those change because I reckon for if you looked at about eighty percent of those goals yesterday when they're coming in forward fifty. Either Butler, Castagna, or Rioli has got their hands on it at one point in that, and whether they're laying a tackle or then feeding the pill off to someone to then have the shot, or that's that's why they're so crucial. To Can we just setup. remember too that these guys are still young kids, yeah. they're still in the learning process of the whole thing, so they're not going to be absolute champions every week. Castagna had a great game last week. This week he was just a fraction off. Mm. But the good thing about it is, is where a couple of these little guys are having an off day or not their best day, a couple of blokes stand up. And take and then so all of a sudden a butler comes in and, and he does better than he did last week. So you're going to have those couple off, couple on all the way through this season and probably even into next season, as well. Especially we see it so often with footy players they get those second year blues. You yeah, know, they, they play they play good footy in the first year and then there's so much expectation of them to develop again as a footballer in year two, but they don't. They seem to drop off. Teams work them out. Teams can finally, you know, and then it's up to them to try and work a way to break from that year three. Then they start to work again. So we've got to remember that also that these kids aren't going to be 100% every single week. And uh, yeah, I, I think I think with with that in mind, I think we're doing really well. 
I think um, I think it's uh, you know the other the other factors of those is those sort of mid tier players. Um, you know, like Basher Hawley's come back in, hasn't missed a beat no, since he sure. came straight back in. Yep. Sean, Sean Grigg and Brandon Ellis continue to do their thing. Nick Vlosten uh, was probably a little bit off yesterday. Um, David Asprey gave um, uh, he gave Sean Makers a bath. Playing up forward, uh, you know, Sean Makers play, he sort of rotates a little bit, mainly plays forward these days, but uh, he had Asprey playing up forward and um, got, got a bath. They tried tagging Rance yesterday, like doing the defensive role with Taylor Duraya. Um, and that just didn't work because no. d- 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 uh, you talk about a mismatch. I think if you're going to make it's someone accountable for rents, they have to have some height and some leg speed mm. on them because, um, d- you know, Duray is no, he's no six foot four um, Hercules or anything like that. Yep. Um, I want to talk to you about the 2017 Brownlow medalist, Dustin Martin. Um, and I say he's the 2017 Brownlow medalist because. We, we don't know that for a fact. Well, he it's, it's his to lose, and I say it's his to lose because, uh, you know, he just doesn't have to get rubbed out. To, to win it, and I don't even think it matters whether Dangerfield got rubbed out or not. I think he's that far ahead. It doesn't it doesn't matter. Dangerfield, and the fact that Dangerfield has now missed one extra game, Dusty probably doesn't. Dusty, his game yesterday was an interesting one. He he he, look, he because he's noticeable. He did bob up with kick two big, you know important goals. He he had his thirty two disposals, four five hundred nine meters gained. Um, you know, and he's six clearances, which is pretty standard, dusty sort of work. Um, but because I think Prestia and Caddy were just a lot more notable, and I think because they did actually sort of stand up that extra level, they may pinch some votes off him. But yeah. I'd, I'd, you know, he, I think he made it, he, he should get one vote maybe again, but it's it's his to lose now. Um, and we, we were talking last week, Shabex, while you were away, that you know, I, th- I think that he's probably got nine BOGs. Which is twenty-seven votes already, and there's not many others from Richmond who are going to be pulling votes mm. off him for the most part. Carl was a little bit sceptical. What did you? What do you think of Dusty? Do you think it's his to lose? Oh, at the moment, he would have to be short price, very short price favourite to win the Brownlow Medal. I think he's coming about dollar twenty. No doubt about that. And uh, did I hear someone say on KB's program this morning that we could have second, third, and fourth in the Brownlow with suspensions? Yes. Well, so so, so Dangerfield got, obviously got suspended. Um, Zach Merritt looks like he might get suspended for for the gut punch uh, yeah. he did on the weekend. And the other one which I wanted to bring up actually, I'm glad you mentioned that Tom Mitchell did a did a fend off on Corey Ellis and broke his nose or appeared to break his nose. There was certainly he had to go off the ground, profusive bleeding from the from the schnoz. And I don't know, it, it's sort of it's a funny category because Mitchell's got the ball and you know Corey Ellis has come in for the tackle and he's put the forearm up to to you know fend off. And he's broken his nose. It's pretty clear cut if that's yeah. the case. Well, the qu- and the, I suppose the question I asked myself was, I said, if Dustin Martin did that, because Dustin's no, the most notable for fend-offs in the league, if he did that, we'd all be talking about him losing a brown line. Yeah. So, well, I think he's probably the only. He's probably a free kick. Kelly are the only two that I think that could take the Brownlow off yeah. Dustin. And a free kick was paid at the time, so that doesn't help Tom Mitchell's cause. Yeah. But um, I can't see any other player now. Might be a really boring count on Brownlow night this year. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting because I. I think the only interest will be whether Patrick Dangerfield actually wins it and doesn't win it. Yeah. That that will be probably the most... Yeah. Can I just say on Tom Mitchell, though, I thought we actually shut him down compared to other teams that have played Hawthorne and tried to shut him down. I know he's still got a 30-plus, which is That's not out of the ordinary. Day. It's an yeah. average day for Tom Mitchell. But I think he only ended up with 32. Like, I mean... It gets 30 pretty much every 30, game. 35, yeah. 30, 35, 30, 30, sorry. 30, 35, 35, but only 147 metres gained, which is, which is that. I mean, that's, yeah. that was the knock on him when he had his 50, that he didn't do enough with it. But if he's only – my, I sort of take that, that – I didn't think – yeah, he had a lot of the Cheap ball. Cheap disposals, but, uh, just small handballs out of the way, you know. They, 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 weren't, they, weren't, as, they weren't as damaging. What he, he did have well, – he did have 32 pressure acts, and that's that, again, that comes down to him being in the guts of it, not – but because of our, the, our ability to um, – we were winning. We because we were winning the ball so easily back over from turnover to then because of our pressure, everything he used with every time he had the ball or was going near the ball, it was you would deem it a pressure act because there was pressure around it and he's having to win it back out of pressure mm. himself. So mm. um, he's a one man band at the moment, Tom Mitchell for the Hawks. So I don't rate him. You don't? No. Okay. I'm just putting it out there. I don't. I'd rate like him. him. I, I wouldn't mind him in yellow and black because it'll let it'll. I, Look, well, you wouldn't say no to a player like him because he he, he guaranteed to get thirty plus every week out he's, of him. But he's, he's good in your super coach team. Yeah, too. <laughs> that that too. But yeah, I I really I don't think he's done anything amazing that really is a standout. Like I, I give him respect, I give him credit. I'm sure one day he'll probably be a Brownlow medalist. But I I just don't think he's that amazing as a player. 
Kane Lambert was also really good. I think he was he rolled onto him yeah. at certain times. And Rhino Robbo wrote about him today in the, in the, the Herald Sun and his tackle, the, the things he likes, because he's just one of these sort of, um, you know, maybe undervalued players who go, who goes through and does does his job. And yeah, he, he, he had 13 in the third quarter yesterday when the game was there to be 13. won. 13, 13. <laughs> um, he 13, kicked a, uh, how many goals to kick in the end? He didn't kick one. No, he, that's right. He was running in for one and got that got a just as he was about to kick. Probably went a yeah. little bit further and got ran down, and um, that was about the most of it. But uh, you know, he he's another player who continues to sort of to do his job and um, and you know has gone to to the next level. And he and you know he was he came through the VFL system, so you know, good on to him. Can uh, we uh, just wrap up our look at this game yeah. by talking about the jumpers? Everyone mm. happy with the Yolanda Madeline Foundation job? I think it looks great. With oh, I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. And, um, you know, I know every year they sort of step it up a little bit more with, the, with that partnership and what they do. And I know in previous years they've just had like the little, one little bit on the armband has been purple and whatnot. But this time they've gone the whole, the whole trim uh, was, was obviously had the purple even around yeah. the sash. And then yeah. on the back of the jumper they had the Yolanda Madeline Foundation uh, logo. And I think the fact that we're even talking about that right now means that it's done its job and because the whole point of it is obviously to raise awareness and then you know as a result of that raise some some much needed funds yep. for the Alana and Madeline Foundation um, which is all about supporting mm. uh, you know families and ki- kids that you know face issues of violence and that sort of thing in their lives they could have worn purple socks I reckon that yeah. probably would have been the only did, other did the umpires have up. did the umpires have purple flags they did yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I thought that's a nice touch and, as and well. Is, and they, they are really good they, at doing yeah, that. They do. They do get into that. You're on. A good crowd. 58,000 in what was potentially going to be, you know, bucketing rain at the time. I mean, if you were sitting there at midday going, I'm, I'm not going to the footy now. Uh, but for 58,000 still to turn up uh, was was magnificent. It was a Hawthorne um, membership return game, I think, for those who, you know, yeah, one of the games they lose yeah. down to Tassie. Um, and that t- probably turns our attention now to... Uh, you know what's what's looming to be the you know the match of the round really, which is R- Richmond versus Geelong down at Simmons Stadium Saturday traditional time slot two ten p.m. Third versus fourth Richmond, but both teams with a lot to play for. Richmond obviously playing to to stay in that top four and potentially push to top two, and Geelong f- looking to fight out to try and stay in that top four while they've. Um, they've lost Joel Selwood for, for at probably what looks like the rest of the home and away season, possibly more with uh, syndesmosis, which, you know, if you talk to everyone else who's had it this year, you know, the Ryan Griffins and those types, they've all missed 10, 12 weeks with it. And, you know, I know Joel Selwood's a tough bugger, but... Just quickly on that, Bontempelli had a similar injury last year. They were amazed that he could come back in six weeks. So I'm not saying that Selwood's out with a lengthy period of time, but it'd be pretty incredible if he comes back second week into the finals and he's 100%. They also look like they could be without... They're still missing... Um, at the moment, they're still missing Dan Menzel and Stephen Motlop, who are sort of... They're having injuries that are managed, could could be back for this week. Um, but they also look like they will most almost most certainly be without Tom Hawkins, who yeah. had another brain fade through another punch, which I just... You know, I, it's, I know it's great for us, and I sit... You know, because it means they're down their best tall forward. But at the same time, I go, Tom... You were the abs- you were the poster boy for what not to do because when they when they introduced that whole crackdown of the jumper punch, he was the first one to go. He was the scapegoat. He was the one who they went. You know, when it, when it came in, he threw the one on Matt, Matt Crouch, and they went, uh, "All right, no, nah, you're the one. You're getting a week for something that everyone else went. Oh, really? A week? He's been dumb enough to do it again. Um, he's got to learn his lesson there for for that. Doesn't." I'm more than happy for him not to learn his lesson because it means that we're most likely going to be uh, without him this week, which means that Harry Taylor probably probably has to play forward for them. And the other one, Mitch Duncan threw one on top, Tom Papley, so he might be missing as well. And he ha- he was just about their best on ground on uh, Friday night for Geelong. So, look, this is a very, very, very winnable game for us. And I there's, never thought I would say that, particularly at the start of the year. There's going to be a lot of people out there around my age who remember the days back in the 80s when we used to travel down to Cadinia Park to see Scott Turner play on Gary Ablett, <laughs> to watch up. Gary Ablett kick 15 and Richmond lose by 140, 150 points. There was one game where the only, the only modicum of interest in the game was whether Geelong were going to score 220 <laughs> on the scoreboard. <laughs> We've been through a lot of pain at Cadinia Park. For the first time ever in my Richmond career as a, as a, uh, as a supporter of the club, I'm not scared. No. I, I go along with Damien Hardwick. We are not scared of Geelong this week. No. Richmond can take it up to the Cats and actually go there with the confidence that Cadinia Park ain't going to be a graveyard for us this year. Can I just say as well, I was looking at the stats of the last time we actually managed to beat Geelong at Cadinia Park. 2006, 2006 I was there. Yeah, I was there. 11 years ago. Yeah. So, 
that's the last time we've beaten them entirely. Yeah, like, uh, you mean, t- take, taking out taking out um taking out the uh, the issue of uh, like NAB challenge matches. I know we've beaten them in a couple of them, but um yeah, we haven't be- we haven't beaten a Chris Scott coach side. So we haven't every time that Geelong. We've always been competitive against Geelong in the last mm. few years, like, but yeah. they've always just then run over the top of us in the last quarter. Last year, even when we were at our worst last year, we had a six-goal lead at three-quarter time at the G on a, on a rainy... Um, on a rainy... Was it Sunday afternoon last year? No, it might have been Saturday last year. It was the Sunday the before, and they ran over the top of us in the end. And can I also say that wasn't a dig at Scott Turner either. Scott Turner was one of the great Richmond players. Gary Ablett just, was just next level. It's unfortunate that Scott Turner had Gary Ablett, Tony Lockett, Jason Dunstall... Um, all those blokes, Paul Salmon, to come, Paul had, Salmon, yeah. to come up against week in and week out. I remember one year he kept Jason Dunstall goalless, I think, against Hall. Might have to go in memory lane and get Scotty on the line and do a bit of that. Talk about that. Actually, be an interesting thing we should do. Very, very, very maligned. That's player. what we'll do in the off yeah. season. We'll catch up with a former Richmond star. Keep the podcast going. I um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm quietly confident going into the, which is which is funny because after what after the way I went into the game against Hawthorne, um. You know, where I was, I had my doubts and, you know, reasons for, for sitting there going, oh, look, we're going to throw us. We, I, I actually go into this one with, with, there's not, well, there's nothing to lose from this one for us for, because we've, we've banked that, that win and we're, I suppose going in as, a, as a, some sort of an underdog down there. No, I think I'm, there is a lot to lose for us in this one because in three weeks' time we could be playing Geelong. Yeah, we, you, uh, possibly yeah. in a, in a, uh, in a first, qualifying final or whatever they call it in the first week so I think bragging rights are pretty strong here in this week going into that first final you're right no, yeah. you're right. Um, I'm going along to the game on Saturday afternoon I don't know about you gentlemen but I'm going to go one of, you're one of 37 Richard supporters yeah. that are allowed which in I, which I wanted to yes yeah, so I, I wanted to bring that up actually because I know there's been a bit of uh, Twitter bolstering and people on social media not happy about why isn't this game at the MCG well I can tell you that you know I'm I'm as big a Richmond fan as anyone and yes, I would have loved this game to have been at the MCG as it had been in pre in the last three or four years, but based on scheduling, it's Geelong's home game. We were expected to be bottom four, and the last. No, but, regard, but regardless of that, but the last, it's we, Geelong's home game. Yeah, end of story. They, they can, can play, play where they, where they want. want. And based on based on statistics of how the crowds have averaged between Geelong and Richmond for the last ten years, they've usually only drawn about thirty five thousand, yeah. even when they're at the G. So. You can, you know, you got to try and anticipate these things twelve months in advance. And we play our home games at a ground that holds a hundred thousand people. That's fortunate for us. They play their home games at a ground yep. that holds forty thousand. Yep, that's just the way it is. End of story. So, 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 I know there's plenty of Richmond supporters out there who might be listening to this, going, oh, "Why, you know, why aren't you going into bat for us down at Canadian Park?" Just look at it this way. Imagine how sweet it'll be. If we do go down there, like this is, it goes back to the traditional stuff of you know going back into enemy territory and actually winning on on away soil. Like, well, I, I, I love it. Damien Hardwick's comment of the fact that we love travelling interstate and we were a pretty good team, and that's why I have no issues that I think we'll do the job against Fremantle the week after uh, yeah. over in Perth because we've done pretty well over there at Domain Stadium against Frio in the last few years. Bring it on! Absolutely, bring it on. We'll go down there, and you know, I lo- I love that sort of tribalism of of it's like the eighties when you'd go to you go to Vic Park and you'd beat the you know you you go into enemy territory and there's a thousand Richmond fans yep. and fifteen thousand Collingwood fans and you, how sweet are those wins when you win exactly on, when you're allowed, so so please I know that you know the, yeah the the Richmond supporters who who can't go and attend the game you know that I I, I feel for you but at the same time. It's no different to, you know, why don't we ask GWS to move their home games from Spotless Stadium? Here's a perfect opportunity, a perfect opportunity for the Richmond Football Club to say we're putting a massive screen on at Punt Road. It's going to be a massive family day for Richmond supporters. Come on down and support the Tigers as a group at Punt Road. Let's get 10, let's get 15,000 people there. Let's get the Channel 7 cameras down there to cross to us every time. Make it like a a final. It'll feel like a final. Exactly. Let's show the club... Just how many people are behind these boys going into the finals? Uh, this, Richmond, you've got five days to organise it, and I know it can be done. Get a few barbecues out there, get a big screen on the on Punt Road Oval, and get ten to 15,000 Richmond supporters supporting the Tigers and just showing the rest of the world exactly what a force we can be come September. Um, just before we wrap up, because I know that we will, we will, we will and we'll get your tips in just a tick. And I know um, you're listening to Richmond Football Club. I know yeah. you listen every week. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dusty Watch, uh, you know, two weeks ago, we were all getting a bit nervous because we heard all the rumour mills and all that sort of stuff. If you believe the latest rumour mills... Uh, signing today. It could be signing as soon as today. Yeah. So, so we record this on Monday, so... Yeah. 
So I know Tony Sheehan, uh, you know, who who does get a lot of trade whispers through through uh, on which phone on, 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 on the left or the, the right the left hand. of Tony two phones. Um, <laughs> he 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 went as early on as Friday night as saying that you know poised to sign a, a deal worth somewhere between one point two and one point three years. And we've got him on the line now. No, oh, no, 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 we don't. No. That's um, <laughs> you know that's that seems to have ramped up a little bit over the weekend. I know Brendan Gale was pretty coy to comment on anything yesterday, but um, you know I, if we if we believe that, I know that uh, you know I. We might even do a dusty little special when, when and be, if it happens. I would be disappointed if he did sign today. Why is that? Well, because it means he wouldn't be a man of his word. He has always said I'll he's going to leave it to the, the end of the season. Hmm. So, Dusty, be a man of your word and leave it to the end of the season. Well, I think the good, the best indication was that you know Ralph Carr said last week that um, you know he'd be waiting till the end. He, when he said end of the season, he thought, oh, home and away season. Now, a lot of people went, oh, that's fine. Yeah, a lot of people went, oh, that must mean that he's, you know, why would he make an announcement if he was leaving, if it, it was the end of the season to play for us? He never said making an announcement. He just said he might come to a decision by by then. Now, I get the impression that if that decision is leaning towards, you know, if you believe the rumour mill, if they're pretty close and and he's going to stay, then yeah, they'll just get it out of the way, and it'll actually be a really really nice, uh, you know, good boon for the team leading into the final series if that's done. So once um, again, we go back to what we said five or six weeks ago with Dustin Martin. Why would he want to leave if Richmond is the best team that he can play for at this point in time? Exactly. Uh, you, you show me another team that's, that would be interested in Dustin at the moment that is better than Richmond at the moment. I there, think there is none. It was just about, it's all about Ralph Carr, his management, just wanting to make sure he gets the best deal possible. Have no for, issues with that. Yeah. Have no issues with and, that at all. And my qualm with, with this is what I was saying last week, is that I just felt like, you know, where, where we were sitting with the money, we just needed to come up that little bit more because uh, you know, we spoke about the matching of... Um, you know, we spoke about uh, potentially. You know, we've got the mechanism to match an offer. My worry was that if we waited till the point of having to match an offer, that someone like North Melbourne might get desperate enough to put one point eight on the table. I don't want it to get to that point. So I just my mentality was if we just come up that little bit more and get it done now, it will never get to that point where a one point eight is even on the table. So if that 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 seems to be what is the, what what's going around, that maybe they've come up to sort of one point two, maybe one point three, and maybe added an extra year, just giving him that bit of extra security. And um, you know what, you're like yeah, if you're getting that sort of money, and exactly. Rich, Richmond Richmond would be selling the vision of. You know, it's not just about the next six years for you, Dusty. You know, we we're gonna you've got a clothing line. We're gonna put you here, and we're gonna make it's you do this. All about the brand, exactly. We're, and you're you you got a look at Matthew Richardson. He's got a job for life at Richmond if he wants it. You, that could be you too. And you and you know, it's all about setting you up for the next twenty years of your life, Dusty, with our contacts and all that sort of thing. So, um, if that's if that all goes ahead. What a boon for the Richmond Football Club and what a time it's going to be. Um, if it doesn't, well, then we play out another couple of weeks of speculation and see what comes of it. A tip for Saturday, gentlemen? Uh, Geelong by 10 goals. As per tradition. Carl? Uh, Geelong also by 10 goals. No, I think we'll win. You think we'll win? Uh, thank mm. you for keeping up my tradition last week. You're welcome. I very much appreciate it. Anything else to add before we sign off? Yeah, Dusty's a tiger for life. That's what I like to hear. I'm a tiger I, for life. I'm tipping. I'm so am I. But yeah, I, we're all tigers for life. And I, I, I it's yeah. I, 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 it'd just be so hard to see him in another colours. But with, I'm pretty confident now that he'll be staying. I'm tipping Geelong uh, to go down to us by a goal. I reckon we'll get the chocolates this week. Did Thank- we just come up with a new membership slogan for next year? Tigers for life. Yeah, exactly. Especially if we're uh, holding up that Premiership Cup. We what can. About, what about these stripes ain't painted on? I don't mind that. We should do actually. We put that out. We'll put that out on Twitter at Tiger Tragics. Tell us a membership slogan for next year. Um, I've got one, but I'm the li- not going to tell lid, anyone because lid, I want to sell it to Richard. They, they should have done it at the end of last year when Britt Delidio left us. They should have said the lids off. <laughs> I, was <just> <laughs> oh, I was just thinking the same thing. Very nice. The lids off. Um, well done to Britt Delidio as well. By the way, he's yeah. you know he's oh, yes, he got through he's, a game. He got through Beautiful. a game, but he's um, well done. He's you know we we have a soft spot obviously for you for lids. Yep. Thank you, gentlemen. Yep. We'll catch Thank you next you, week. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Getting ready to go out. You want to get in the mood. There's a playlist for that. You move to the beat. You trip over the dog. You're not dancing anymore. You open the Medibank app and find a physio. We live in an on-demand world. And now your health insurance comes on demand too. Download the new Medibank app today.